At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we can. Government is the problem. Everybody to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name is Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure and check out our website at libcon.podbean.com. We're in the iTunes Store. We're in the Google Play Store. We're on the Stitcher. Find us on Twitter. I'm at libcon. Matt. Tim is at libcon. Tim. And buy Tim's book on Amazon. It's called Things I Want. I. Uh, so did did you see this week? Yeah, this was uh, this was busy. Busy. Busy week. This Big was, week. I, I, this was, this was, this was, uh, this was, this was pretty crazy. I, I, I sort of got the impression that everybody at CNN was just totally fried by the time this was over with. I read like three different sort of what the hell just happened kind of uh, uh, editorials just on CNN alone, and I thought, my God, what, what, what's, 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 what, what are they doing to those poor people? Well, it's amazing how this administration just keeps topping itself like you think. It really kind of is, isn't it? You know, oh, this was incredible. This was what a week. And then, you know, another thing happens. Like, I feel like we were talking like this a week ago. Yeah. You know, about, oh, wow, look at all these things that happened. And then he fired Comey. (laughs) And he just... Yeah, and the Flynn thing sort of started to blow up a little bit right before that, and I, I, I don't, I don't know. It's like you said the last time we did a show, which admittedly took a long time to get up. That was my, that was my fault. Uh, I, I too have had a busy couple of weeks. Um, uh, we, we were exceptionally grouchy, going, "What the hell's going on out there?" Uh, and and now it's it's worse. Yeah. So I mean, I guess worse. Well, I think I, I said I think I said weeks ago, months ago, that I was hoping that at this point my hope was for Trump to be impeached. That this was this is the the result that I was hoping to see happen uh, because of the just the vastness of his incompetence. And I, I don't know. I'm I'm starting to feel like I might actually get that wish. Um, you can't. You, you can't do this. <laughs> like, you can't just fire the head of the FBI. Like, this isn't acceptable things to do. Um, and I'm just really hoping that our, our senators are going to realize this and, and push the House to take the steps they need to take. See, so you're asking me to have faith in, 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 in two of the people that I couldn't the only person that I have less faith in than Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan is Donald Trump. Oddly enough. That's harsh. So I, I have, because so, I mean, see, that's the thing is that, you know, you, there is this idea that I have faith in, in the people at, at the head of things. And I have no faith in either one of those men, not a bit. I have, I have no faith in them at all that they'll do the right thing. Uh, with regards to President Trump, none. I mean, do you seriously, Mitch McConnell? Really? Yeah, no, shit. But I, I do have some amount of faith in you know Richard Burr has been a uh, uh, you know a little bright spot of sunshine. Uh, McCain, uh, I have more and more faith in him. Lindsey Graham, Ben Sassy, you know these guys seem to be taking note of everything that's going on. I, I have not um, seen any comments of uh, Lindsey Graham's since the firing. Have you? Did he say, has he said anything? I No, I have not seen anything. Okay. But just in general, uh, he does not seem to be the kind of guy to sit by idly. Um, well, I don't know. He, he really, not. Graham really hated, was going off about Trump literally right up until he bombed Syria. And then he went on, on and gave all these really um, bordering on inappropriately giddy interviews. Going, I'm all in now. He actually said that. I love it. This is great. 
Well, that's awkward. Yeah, um, just, I, I know. I mean, it's just on top of the. I mean, why, 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 why do you think that's okay? I hated this guy. He bombed the shit out of somebody, and then you gleefully go on on Fox News and go, "God, he's awesome now. He's amazing. Everything else is forgotten." Yeah, one one good decision doesn't make up for everything else. No, that's that's not how this works. Um, I I mean I you know I I I would say that I have no idea where to start. I I we, I want to talk about all of this, but we got to start somewhere. So, uh, I um we have we haven't since we since we 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 last recorded a show. Not since I got one up again. My bad. Um, but the with the the American Healthcare Act passed in a in in a far different form from what well maybe not far different but but somewhat different form from what did not even get a vote a few several weeks ago months ago however long ago that was eight years i think since they last replaced something that's all right you're gonna have to break down the differences for me then because i i thought the only difference was the mckenzie or the the macarthur amendment yeah i mean i guess maybe maybe it's not maybe it's not that different yeah well i mean but they 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 this was you know uh all of these things that the the freedom caucus wanted they got which was the the definite the the biggest difference was the pre-existing condition thing that did not keep the pre-existing condition deal and it kind of kicked that supposedly down to the states and it also got rid of the basically the rule that was in place that that kept insurance companies from considering pre-existing conditions when determining your premiums. So in the ACA, uh, that, that there was a rule in place to stop them from being able to charge you, oh, you have cancer and you want insurance. Well, that'll be $8 billion. They couldn't do that. Now, in theory, with the AHCA, they can. Well, I... Uh can can they? I, I don't understand. Yeah, that theory. wasn't part of the original bill. Well, yeah, I know. That's what that was a change. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but is that a change if the the states vote for? Is that part of the whole waiver crap or like that's an actual change I, that I, got made? And I my mean, understanding, it's, yes, it's a yes, it's a change. Um, huh. I, I don't know. I, I, th- I don't think that was in the original bill. I thought in the original AHCA, they kept the law against pre, uh, rejecting for pre-existing conditions. Maybe that, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I, I got to let, cause I know somewhere in there, there was the thing of, uh, you know, if there was a gap in coverage, right. Gap in coverage, they can charge you up to 30% more, uh, for your premium. That, and that's the punishment, right? That's their version of Obama's, you know, individual mandate tax, which right? is this, stupid. This is, which is, this that, that is, is the, well, is, is that really their response? That, but that's what they call it. That's their response to the mandate that the, well, I mean, that's exactly what it is. That's the thing that's a, that's the, their way of saying, don't drop your coverage. You have to keep your coverage. Um, in order to prevent people from dropping out while they're healthy and then trying to just jump right back on when they're sick. That's that's the whole point of that. Well, but and what so if with you a pre-existing condition, coverage, you can't have no- a pre-existing condition if you had continual coverage. That's the whole thing with you know getting your certificates of coverage and being, demonstrating that you've had health insurance and all this sorts of stuff. They can't just jack your premium if you get sick. That's not allowed in well, this. I haven't seen anything that said that What if you what if you have a gap in coverage to no fault of your own, or what if? Right now, you have no health insurance. Well, then you, you know, say we're, say insurance. say right now you have no insurance, and then uh, two years from now, under the AHCA, you go get health insurance when you have a pre-existing condition. Why are you waiting for two years? What if it's a pre-existing condition that you've had for ages? What if it's because you've been, I don't know, diabetic or any of that? I mean, what if you can't afford health care coverage? I mean, there are a lot of people out there that can't. I know they need well, to not buy their iPhones, but, you know. Well, but e- even with Obamacare, you couldn't just jump on and get health care anytime you wanted. I mean, there there was there was a window of time in which for you to enroll. And if you didn't enroll in that time, then you were supposed to get hit by some fairly heavy taxes. 
Well, yeah, I mean, those are enrollment. Yeah, the, well, those are enrollment periods, and those always right. Those and always. so, and this, I mean, so we're in the same sort of thing. You need to, if you don't have health insurance, then you need to get enrolled. And as long as you do that, then none of this is going to be an issue. But then, yeah, if you wait, and I don't think it really has anything to do with pre-existing conditions. If if you wait, then you can be charged up to thirty percent more for your premium uh, if you don't enroll. I mean, this is no more, I don't feel like this is any more unfair, quote unquote, than Obama's tax taxes, except that maybe we'll actually enforce this one. Well, okay, perhaps, but it doesn't change. I don't, I don't, I, no, I, I'm sorry. I just, I don't, I don't buy it because you're asking me to trust the market. This pre-existing condition nonsense and shit that they can do. And again, you're, you're kicking it back to the states and allowing states to sort of set their own standards on this. And as though, oh, don't worry, the states will make the right decision, which, yeah, uh, when it comes to business, yeah, I, I definitely trust that to happen. So, again, you're back in this gray area where you can be denied coverage based on a pre-existing condition. No, no, nowhere in there are they allowing denial of coverage for a pre-existing condition by, by federal standpoint. Now, you're absolutely right. I agree with the waiver thing. That that the waiver thing is bullshit. I I agree with this. I'm not I'm not arguing that point. You're absolutely correct. Uh, now, with the waiver thing though, I don't think even with the waiver you can deny coverage because of pre-existing condition. They simply won't cover certain things. Um, they don't have to cover certain things, which I'm agreeing with you. I think is wrong. I don't I don't think that that is the that this is good. I think this is a bad thing to be doing. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I mean, we're, we're on the same page on that one. So, but again, now, now we're going to, we're also, I want to get into how the hell are they going to pay for this? You know, because this is frankly, this is kind of to me the same argument that I, that I've always had with, with everything else when it comes to how with healthcare stuff and how Democrats can't pay for want to pay for everything by raising taxes. Uh, but Republicans, don't want any taxes, but they still want to accomplish the same goals, supposedly. And they act as though they can get rid of everything that, that is supposed to be there to balance out the market. So you've got 800 some odd billion dollars in taxes that largely affect people making over 500 grand a year, uh, who I'm crying for. I really am. Uh, and, uh, and then they've removed the individual mandate entirely. So, there is no payment mechanism anywhere in any of this that I can see, or at least if there is, it's, it's, it's not anywhere near uh, the amount that, you know, that was there before. And I mean, if you want to cut back on taxes, all right, fine. You know, because you can find things you see taxes as a bad thing, but you know, even, and I've said that we've had this argument before the individual mandate has been seen as a necessary thing uh, and the problem with Obama's mandate was that he never enforced the damn thing and it didn't have any teeth. And now they've just gotten rid of it. Every balancing point that was supposed to be within the system is, is just gone to me. Well, like I said, the, their 30% thing is meant to be that balancing bit. Uh, it will it be as effective as an individual mandate that would have that actually had teeth. I don't know. Is it going to be more effective than this individual mandate that didn't ever actually really seem to exist? Well, yeah, probably. Now, but how is that fair, though? I mean, just their their idea of, of saying, okay, we're not going to pay for this by putting out a law that says you got to carry health insurance. But what we are going to do is charge sick people more to fill in the gaps in the system because that's appropriate. That's That's really the way to go about it. Well, the idea is that they don't want to charge the sick people more. They just want everyone to get health care so that you're covered when you're healthy and when you're sick. I mean, that's that's the point of it. It's the exact same point as Obama had. It's just a different method of accomplishing it. Um, and then, I mean, as far as the other stuff, though, I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing with the fact that we as Republicans have, have become so anti-tax that... We, we've we're, we're failing to really figure out how we're going to pay 
for a lot of these things. Um, you know, now there's this idea that, okay, well, we're going to deregulate, we're going to cut this, we're going to cut that. Well, if I actually see, you know, some amount of cutting that actually is going to save us lots of money and I see this getting passed in budgets and such, then maybe I'll start to become a believer. But right now, I just don't have a lot of faith in our government to pass the kind of kinds of tax cuts, um, the, the, or the kinds of budget cutting, um, administration cutting that's necessary in order to save the amount of money that we need because we're getting rid of these taxes. Um, and we get rid of ridiculous taxes. You know, we get rid of, you know, the estate tax. This is a great, wonderful, necessary, important tax that, affects a tiny percentage of the population. Why you would want to get rid of this, I can't even begin to understand. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do agree with you. I disagree with some of the minutia of, of the things that you're saying. But overall, yes, I agree. The The waiver is, is uh, to me, the, way, the waiver to me is just cowardly. You know, rather than the federal government deciding this is the way something should be, They've passed the political football onto the states, saying, okay, well, states, if you want to cut these things, then that's on you, but you can do it, so then we can blame you if it goes badly, but we're not actually, we're not going to mandate that it be cut, which all that means is that you're absolutely right. Now, we, we, we can't afford to pay for a lot of these, uh, the increases in, in health care uh, costs, that come about because of these things that are mandated, um, because we've gotten rid of these taxes. So, no, a, a lot of this bill is bad. There are some good things. I do agree with Ryan's idea of age-based uh, tax cuts or age-based tax credits. Um, I don't think that his are quite generous enough, but I, I think that they're on the right track there. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't see us fixing that, you know, as in putting more money into it, nor do I see us fixing um, the fact that the the, high, the idea of a high-risk pool is, is okay. Like, I can get on board with that, but this requires an enormous amount of money to be put into these pools, uh, and I see us shortchanging them, which is going to lead to nothing but bad. So, I mean, obviously, you know, this is not a good bill. Uh, the Senate doesn't seem particularly keen on this. You know, they even talked about making basically rewriting their own bill. Um, so, yeah, and to a certain that, and that's that's been kind of my feeling about it at this point. Is that, for, frankly, nobody's really talked about it for the last week. Um, it, it's just, it, I mean, all of the, I just everything surrounding this is wrong. The optics behind it, you've got this massive majority in the House that can only pass it by four votes. You have this massive white dude celebration on the the lawn, you know, or on, in the Rose Garden or wherever the hell that was, you know, with, with Trump and every white man in Washington behind him. Uh, the fact that they rushed it through without letting the CBO do their thing. I, I mean, just everything about this felt dirty uh i and and i i mean i i don't know yeah whatever i i, I got a i got a quote for you from the from the the etna ceo that i want to read this 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 is a fad this guy was uh the guy's name is uh, uh mark bertolini and he was speaking at a, a private meeting uh a, a, a corporate thing where where his employees could talk to him and one of them asked him about, you know, the, the health care plan and how it's going to impact the company. So this is what he says. Single payer. I think we should have, mind you, Aetna CEO, single payer. I think we should have that debate as a nation. But let me remind everybody, blah, 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 about Aetna and their history, yada, yada, yada. The government doesn't administer anything. The first thing they've ever tried to administer in social programs was the ACA, and that didn't go so well. So the industry has always been the back room for government. If the government wants to pay all of the bills and employers want to stop offering coverage, and we can be there in a public-private partnership to do what we do today with Medicare and with Medicaid at every state level. We run the Medicaid programs for them, then let's have that conversation. Yes. Does that make I mean, sense to is, you? Yeah. Because I mean, it kind of does to me. Yeah, I mean, this is... 
Because that's basically Medicare done. for all, right? Yeah. And all it is, though, is that, but it's it's very controllable, you know, because you're giving X number of dollars per person, right, to these healthcare companies, right? So I'm on Medicaid. My family's on Medicaid. My, my children's Medicaid is run by uh, Anthem. Um, my wife and I's is run by Passport. So, but the government is giving Passport and giving Anthem money per person to cover our costs. Um, and this, this is absolutely, I, I completely agree with the Aetna CEO that, that that is the way to go um, for healthcare in the future. Um, you know, I would go a little bit further, maybe. I would, because I, I would argue that you need to just give people X number of dollars in their HSAs to cover the cost of their premiums and a certain amount of their deductible, right? So that then health insurance companies are the ones who are responsible for covering the costs of beyond the deductibles, right? So the government knows that it has to pay X number of dollars for the premiums and for the deductibles, right? And then it's on the people and the insurance companies to handle everything beyond that. So that gives the government a very definable amount of money that they're going to have to spend per person. Uh, instead of what you get into right now with Medicaid and, and a lot of these things where there, there's no end uh, to what the government might have to pay, right? Right, and you wind up in this sort of hodgepodge of a, of a system where you've got some people getting it from the government, some people getting it from private sector, some from the private sector, some people getting it from their employers, and it's all kicking it out. He goes on, he goes on a little bit to say, uh, we're going to pay for it one way or the other. What we have to do is to get the cost right. We have to get people healthy. It's not about who is paying the bill. It's about what we're doing to get the cost down, and and effectively what he says is that the Democrats and he and everybody are basically saying, and, and what I agree, and this is my problem with the Republican bill is that they're, they're running around state for eight years screaming about how the costs are going up and, Oh, it's failing and everything's costing so much more and blah. And then they don't put anything in the bill about how to get the cost down. There's nothing yeah, in there. The, yeah. The bill, the bill did not take the steps to fix that. Um, yeah. So, so. they, and, and that was the big thing that they needed to fix, and they didn't do it. So, I you know, like I said, I, I like getting away from means-based testing for assistance with healthcare, uh, but that's about the only positive thing that I can really point to with this healthcare bill. And obviously, I'm not alone there. Um, like I said, it passed by four votes, and we have an enormous majority. Yeah, yeah. So, fair enough. All right, well, uh, let's... Ah, <sighs> you know what? I don't want to talk about Comey yet. So the French elected their governor, elected their president. We missed that one too. Marine, yeah, Marine, Marine Le Pen got her, got her ass handed to her. Uh, so what was the final count? I never yeah, catch that. Did you? I think she got like thirty five. Yeah, 35, yeah. 36, somewhere in there. So good job, France. Big yeah, round of applause good. to them. Amen. That's to that. awesome. So yeah. does this? Does that sort of kind of knock a little bit of the air out of this populist bullcrap we've been seeing bullshit we've been seeing i actually just said bullcrap i can't believe i did that that's awesome. populist stuff i hate that word Pop this populist stuff that, that we've been seeing well because i, I kind of feel like it does it sort of takes a little bit of the wind out of the sails. well it takes a little bit out of the wind out of their sails but it's not like it suddenly disappears no. you know i mean marie le pen has taken her party farther than it has ever gone before um so just because it didn't get a sweeping victory doesn't mean that it didn't progress, you know? Um, but I mean, what, what Macron was able to accomplish there? Just like how I tried to really, French I did. It up you there. really tried to French that up. I Nicely really done. did. Well, I've been listening to the economists and they've been, you know, saying the name enough that I've started to kind of figure out how I'm supposed to be pronouncing it. Um, what this guy did is just, I mean, he's just incredible. You know, I mean, he is not, you know, he created his own political party on March and, somehow without having ever held any political office at the age of what is he like 39 yeah, managed he's a year to, older than me yeah managed to become the elect of the president of france and got elected the president of france 
uh, with this, you know, completely new political party, completely new everything. And he's not, you know, a Donald Trump. You know, he's not some rich, famous guy. Uh, he's not spouting populist BS. He is pushing good, solid governance from the center right. Um, he's pro-European Union. He's pro-immigration. He's pro-business. You know, all, you know, and, and France is not traditionally known for being super, you know, excited about open markets and stuff. Uh, and somehow he managed to get elected by a lot. Uh, yeah, you know, so, I mean, some of that's he, he, he took crazy to the house. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and some of that's luck. You know, I mean, if, you know, Francois Fillon Fillon was the clear front runner right up until he got hit with a scandal. You know, so his his primary uh, opponent, you know, got knocked out basically. So a little bit of luck, but I mean, this is nothing but a huge, awesome thing. And it's an amazing opportunity for France, you know, with Macron and uh, Germany with Merkel to really re- remake the European Union um, and do a lot of the things that need to be done there without, you know, Britain sort of being half in, half out and pulling them, pushing them one way or the other. All right, well, Britain's out. So France, Germany, go for it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, and bonus, he's, he's nailing one of his high school teachers because it wouldn't be a French presidency without, so, without, have, without some funky, without, without some, some funky sort of sex thing. I mean, there had to be something, thing. right? Yeah. That part's Isn't icky. It? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> we elected Donald Trump. We can't say anything. Right. Yeah. I'm talking fine. about funky sex thing. We, we potentially have a peeing sex tape out there somewhere. So. Yeah. Please come out. Oh God, we should be so lucky. So, uh, I, I guess we, I guess we have to talk about Trump, don't we? I mean, at some point, it seems necessary. All right. Well, I want to lead off with the ice cream thing. Did you see the ice cream thing? That's so hilarious. Is, isn't that awesome? <laughs> that is. That is great. According to reports. No, no, no. I get two. <laughs> Can I get a no, no, just me. <laughs> what if somebody asks? That's what I want to know. Did, did anybody ask while time was there? For for those of you out of the know, so this is this is noted in Time Magazine. This is not something that MSNBC like made up. In Time Magazine, there were they attended a dinner and found that it is general practice for everyone at the table to be served one scoop of ice cream, except for DJ, and he gets served two scoops of ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> this is done deliberately. <laughs> what a weird, wonderful power play. That's great. What just That's... what what just a horribly insecure little man. I mean, just a little little pathetic little man. I don't know. I mean, that one that one that one blows me away. The fact that when people come to visit him in the Oval Office, he's still passing out copies of the electoral map including to like diplomats he's passing this out and saying look check this out you see what i did i did something you see you see all the red see, see all that was the me. red right i did that i did that there was an ex-cia officer that was interviewed i think on uh on on abc news who said that the president needs a pacifier and a rattle oh wow That's oh awesome. my god so okay comey what do you got? I'm just disappointed. I, I liked Comey. Uh, I know I, I, I'm still, I am now confused uh, at this point by the fact that he, I, I guess, no, I'm not really confused because I do understand the logic behind why the Hillary Clinton investigation thing got brought up, but the Russia thing didn't, Right. He, you know, reported to Congress because it was a close, that investigation had been closed. But at the same time, we all knew that she was under investigation. So why didn't we know that Trump's people were under investigation? Was that bad reporting? Like, did did our reporters not manage to find that out? You know, was the, was the FBI going around just chatting about the fact that Hillary was under investigation. 
Um, and, and that's why we knew about it or had people figured it out. And so therefore the FBI had to, you know, people just knew it and it wasn't that the FBI had said, Hey, we're investigating her. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have answers for that. So that, that, that's a little weird for me, but overall, no, I, I liked Comey, uh, and I like him even more, you know, now, you know, you're hearing reports about the idea that, you know, Trump had asked him for a pledge of allegiance, basically. And he said, no. Um, so that's awesome. Um, so I'm, you know, enormously disappointed as I constantly am by this administration and the fact that they, they fired him. Um, so it's incredibly shady and hopefully we'll, Spur us closer and closer to impeachment. Fingers crossed. If okay, so if if he had if they had if somebody if if this had happened within say the first month of the thing, and they had cited you know the fact that he had said something late in the campaign the way that he did, because I did I did not agree with that decision. For the most part, I liked Comey his decision to say that four days before the election or a week or however long it was over something that turned out to be a big fucking nothing burger. And then in all technicalities, a few days, whether he lied about it or just gave out the wrong information while he was under, under, uh, while he was under oath, I don't know. And if they had only cited that, then okay, I might have been able to get behind. You know what? I'm not because the because the one thing that the guy did was he said that they had found classified information on on Anthony Weiner's laptop when in fact they hadn't found that, and the FBI had to issue a statement about the fact that they that Comey had gotten that wrong during his testimony. Um. Uh, and then a few days later, he got fired. And I'm going, you know what? Okay, if 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 they're going to cite all of these things and say this is why, then I can get behind. Then I might have been able to stand there and go, yeah, weird, but I uh, kind of get it. But no, he doesn't. He basically, you have two things. One, you have the fact that he wouldn't agree to be, he didn't agree to be loyal to the president. You have the fact that he didn't go after a political, that Comey refused to go after a political adversary of the president. And that is cited as the direct reason as to why he got fired. And third, you basically have the president two days later during an interview on record saying, you know what? I sat down and I thought about this Trump Russia thing and it's just so fake news and it was going on and on. He's going to just, you know, keep going. And I thought, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I fired him. I had two scoops of ice cream and went to bed. That, but that, that, that effectively is him admitting that the fact that this man was investigating him played a major role in his decision to fire the man. So I, that, that's, that's that to me, that's, that's impeachment right there. That's 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 that is effectively what Nixon did, you know. Uh, and then there was also the fact that he was mad that Obama that he didn't like the fact that Trump called him out that that Comey called him out on the wiretapping and Obama the tapping tapping my wires, the cyber the surveillance the digital, um, stuff, you know. So all of these things together again, you won't go after people who are my political adversaries. Uh, you're investigating me, so I'm going to fire you. And this is okay, because it looks like it's okay. I guess it's okay, since most of the leaders in both chambers of the of Congress really haven't said much. Yeah, they certainly haven't said enough. Um, you know, there's definitely been some who have grumbled, but I'm not. I'm not hearing what we should be hearing, which we 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 should be hearing a much larger outcry uh, against a pretty blatant. Uh, attack on our our institution uh, of the FBI. So, um, and just about everything else that Trump has said about 
Comey as a man and as an effective leader of the FBI has been generally refuted, including the very next day, the acting head coming out and saying, uh, you know, because you had Trump's people going on, going out and saying, you know, his little Trumpkins doing their thing of, well, Comey had committed, quote, atrocities. Thank you, Melissa Sanders Huckabee, whatever your name is, uh, your Mike Huckabee's daughter, which freaky uh, is saying that he committed atrocities and had lost the FBI. And literally the next day, the acting director of the FBI came out and said, yeah, no, that's not true. Yeah, that, that was, that was, that was big, you know, cause that is, that is something they were trying to push that Comey had lost the confidence of the rank and file FBI, that there had been some sort of internal FBI struggle and all these things. And then, yeah, the, the acting director just directly refuting that. So, and I, and I think the, you know, whoever he nominates next is going to be telling, you know, I mean, if he, um, and, and I don't really see a way that Trump comes out of this. Okay. Now I haven't seen, he has come out. Okay. From so many things that I'm, I'm not going, you know, never say never, but if he tries to put in a stooge, there's going to be an uproar, Right. If he comes in and says, well, Chris Christie is our new director of the FBI, like there will just be everyone will be calling shenanigans. But then if he picks someone qualified, right, you know, he picks a McMaster, you know, then that person's going to come at him just as hard as Comey was and he will have accomplished nothing. So. I don't see how he wins from this. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I I think that's uh, yeah, I think that's that that's pretty much the crux of it. I you know I don't, I am terrified that he'll come out and and nominate Rudy Giuliani, you know, or Chris Christie or someone of that ilk. I don't know that he's that stupid. Again, crazy, not stupid. So, man, I think I, you know I don't know. I might think stupid. I don't know. I'm. I don't think crazy like a fox. I don't think that's our president. I don't. I don't believe it. Uh, now he might, sadly, unfortunately, be right in just how willing Republicans are to go along with him solely for the sake of power, because so far he's been right, um, with very tiny few exceptions. He is. He has been right about Republicans' willingness to go along, uh, at least in the leadership. Like I said, you've got some guy. You know, like I've I've got some amount of confidence in the the Senate Intelligence Committee and the way that they're handling all the Russia stuff. You know, but we still don't have an independent counsel. We still don't have a special prosecutor for this. Uh, and McConnell has basically said he he doesn't so that he doesn't want one. Right. He Which, said. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen in the same phrase that he said. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen to Trump's term limits idea. Yeah, so I, yeah, I'm, I am worried about that. So we'll, we'll see. How, how do you, I mean, because like you're right, I think you're right. I think that Republican leadership and Republicans in general have been willing to allow him to get away with this crap because they're afraid of losing their own people, their seats, their power, their majorities, their yada, 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 yada. How, and I know that I know that you disagree vehemently with all of this. How how can you still call yourself a member of that party? And I'm not trying to be I'm 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 legitimately not trying to be mean about that. I I genuinely am 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 curious. Is it purely based on the fact that you still remember what Republicanism used to stand for, and you think it can be that again? Or is it just habit at this point? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I mean, I guess probably the first one and also a sense of there's not really anywhere else to go. You know, I mean, I'm a pro-life, small government, fiscal conservative. Democrats don't want that. Being independent. Don't register with a party. No, I know. That's that's just. Well, and that's and that, like I said, that goes back to the first thing that you said, you know, this idea that the Republican party has been hijacked and a desire to bring it back to what it was. 
and so I'm going to keep fighting that battle from within uh, because I don't think I'm the only Republican who feels this way. Um, no, no, I don't think you are either. Uh, you know, but I, I don't see a, as much as I am pro third party and would love to see it. I don't, I don't see it coming. I don't see it happening. So, no. um, you know, uh, so I, I would, I, so the first one, I will continue to say that what I, what I think and what I preach is true Republicanism. And I refuse to just hand the party over to the people who currently control things. I, I, I don't know. I guess I, I guess the, the, the part of me that doesn't get it is, is the part of me that, that sees myself as, as a liberal, but not as a Democrat, if that makes any sense at all, you know, because I, 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 I have liberal points of view, I think for the most part, not so much progressive, but certainly liberal, but I don't give a tinker's damn about the democratic party. I mean, I don't give a, as I, I, I don't have sense? some sort of deep, I mean, I don't care about the Republican party the way that I care about, you know, America, well, you know, no, like, and I'm not I would be perfectly do. happy no. to support a, you know, and I did in this presidential election, I will happily support, you know, a conservative candidate who is in agreement with my values, which is the reason I voted for Evan. Um, but there, there's not another feasible option out there for me. You know, when it comes to declaring a party allegiance. Um, so, yeah, I want to continue to remain in the Republican Party and support the primary candidates uh, like, you know, like I was able to support John Kasich because I was a registered Republican, um, which I and I, I feel like you would probably end up still calling yourself a Democrat, even if the uber progressives took over your party, uh, if your only other option was the to be a Republican. Well, but see, I don't call myself a Democrat. Yeah, but you vote in that primary. I didn't. Aren't you, a, aren't you a registered Democrat? No, I never have been. I have never once in my life registered with a party. It's mm. never happened. Well, I, I think that that's the, the system that we have created is a two-party system. And, you know, for better or for worse, that forces us to pick a side. And, now, yeah, I'll, I'll admit that part of the me, reason that that I can get away with that is because I have largely lived in states that did not require party membership to vote in primaries, which, which is definitely a thing. I mean, you know, Tennessee and North Carolina don't require that. Were I to move back to Kentucky, what would I do? Eh, I don't know. That's going to come down to decision time. I know that when I did originally live in Kentucky, I just didn't vote in primaries and I voted, I registered independent and I just skipped the primary process. Well, I mean, we um, both, we've both talked about running for office and that this is a yeah. fairly possible thing for the both of us. Um, yeah. I, I, I think so. you would, you would run as a Democrat, right? I, th- I think I would have to, unless I really exactly. thought that, yeah. I mean, I, unless I really thought that I, you know, the thing about but the thing about it is it makes me wonder is that, you know, like independent party members in Congress are not they're not certainly not unheard of. You know, the famous one these days is Angus King out of Maine, you know, in Maine, you know, people talk about Maine having a, a fiercely sort of independent streak. And that's why they 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 do that. Honestly, I think Kentuckians have a very independent streak. And I think given given the kind of things that I would want to talk about and the things that I would want to approach it with, I, I, I think with a little bit of, with a little bit of money, I might be able to, to make an argument for running as an independent. However, I have no money, so it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, because I, I don't, I, I don't really have any use for the Democratic Party as an organization, and any more use than I, I probably have. Well, no, that's not true. I probably have more use for the Democratic Party than I do for Republicans, surely. But, uh, you know, I, I don't, I really hate the two-party system as much as, about as much as anything these days. And I, I, I but I don't blame it for the level of division, you know, because the two party system worked for hundreds and hundreds of years, for hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, but yeah. for hundreds of years, the, the two party system worked. And now, you know, 
there is this level of who do you blame for this kind of thing. And, you know, like we talked about last week, you know, Kasich tried to, you know, laid some of that blame at the feet of the American people and, you know, for not being informed and whatnot. And, and, and okay. Yeah. I think there's plenty of blame to go around, but um, the fact of the matter is, man, is that, uh, you know, you can blame Fox news. You can blame the, you can blame people for not paying attention. You can blame, uh, you know, uh, people in, in quote flyover country, you can blame millennials for being lazy or whatever. But at, at some point, the feet of the, uh, the blame for this needs to be laid on the leadership because they have an awful lot to do with it. In fact, I would say more because we look to our leaders to show us how to behave. Okay. And what the Republicans showed as a how to behave standpoint was to be divisive, talk shit, be scare the crap out of people for years and years and years and years and years. And then all of a sudden here comes this really hardcore shit talker. And then they stand back and wonder, well, we don't know how that happened. Gosh, we don't know how we got here. You know, at some point that all of these people that have been trying to get us to not believe in their ideas, but just be afraid of the other guy have to take some responsibility. Hey, I'm all for the idea that attitude reflects leadership. But in, in this case, we're choosing our leaders, right? So I, I, I tend to agree with Kasich. We've, we've made these choices. We've put these people in power. Um this, this is on us. Now, I, I expect more of our leadership. I expect them to be doing a better job. Um, but in the end, you know, yeah, we, we chose this. We did this. I think. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, give me a headache. Give me a headache. All right. So more stuff Trump did this week. There was another executive order. Uh, this one was on, uh, voter fraud because we needed this badly. Lots of voter fraud out there. We heard it. I read about it. It was on the, it was on Fox and friends and lots of voter fraud going on out there. Bernard Larner saw Brown people voting. Uh, there was another executive order on, 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 uh, cyber terror on, on, on the cyber that was supposed to uh, is supposed to really sort of re-address this issue of hacking and whatnot that actually a lot of people in the tech community think is pretty good, surprisingly enough. Um, and uh, my personal favorite thing from the uh, AG's office in Jeff Sessions this week, uh, uh, ordering prosecutors to pursue the, quote, most serious, readily provable offenses. Uh, because that's not what prosecutors already do. Um, yeah, what to be, have they been doing? This is some sort of tough on crime thing where I, I, I continue to see this phrase tough on crime. And I just, I, 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 I don't, I think our problem is not so much. Are we tough on crime? It's are we smart on crime as a country? And I don't, yeah. You know. and, and that's going to be my primary issue with, with Jeff Sessions. You know, I'm not, our, our issue is the number of people that we have in prison. Our issue is, um, that, that's our biggest issue, is the sheer number of people that we incarcerate um, for, and, and the biggest thing is for drug offenses. You know, non, there, are, there are far too many nonviolent uh, drug offenders in prison, uh, and this, this is not worth our money. This, is, this just isn't. Uh, and that's me as the fiscal conservative coming out. So I get I get very frustrated with Republicans uh, who still talk like this, even even though it's been proven at this point over and over again. You know that the idea of you know three strikes you're out and giving out maximum sentences and doing you know charging minors as adults that this is not the way to go. This is not smart. This is not healthy. And yet we continue to hear people talking talking this way. Um, and it's no good. Now it doesn't sound like this executive order from Sessions is anything shocking. You know, if he had been, if it had been an executive order pushing judges to give maximum sentences, 
that would be one thing or pushing prosecutors to uh, choose the sentence, choose the push the, the charges that have the highest, you know, the highest sentences that that would be one thing, but it's telling prosecutors to stick with the charges that they're most likely to win with. I mean, that I watch law and order. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Daredevil. I feel I feel like this is what they do, you know? Um, so, and, and that's one of my issues with all these executive orders that it feels like a lot of showboating for the most part. Well, um, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly what a lot of it is. I mean, that, that you know, because this, there's nothing going to come in this voter fraud thing. Everybody knows that there is no, I'm not saying there's no voter fraud, but it's not the problem that he puts it out to be. He just, no. uh, again, it you know, yeah. doesn't make him look look the bestest yeah. of the bestest. And that's well, and, and the 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 ridiculousness of, of how much flack was given to President Obama. You know, all the emperor, all the emperor Obama stuff. All the oh, he's just trying to take control. Look at these executive wars, and here now, this president that that we've elected is, is doing it. Oh, just above, way above and beyond what Obama did, uh, and flaunting it and pretending like it's this big, great thing. Um, and our senators and congressmen seem to be supporting it and saying, this is great. Where, where are the Republicans shouting emperor Trump? You know, we're hearing about Trump demanding pledges of pledges of allegiance and loyalty to him. What, what is this? What what world, weird twilight world have we entered here? This is this is not the way our government's supposed to function. This isn't small government. This isn't what we stand for. I didn't think it was. No, I didn't think it was either. Supposedly, maybe maybe I was wrong. I don't I don't know. So, uh, did did you did you did you see the the net neutrality thing on Sunday, uh, John Oliver? I did not. Yeah, you you should watch that. John Oliver did another thing on net neutrality, uh, which was fantastic and uh, breaking down exactly what it is, which is this these all of these again, these horrible regulations uh, that are just beating down the American people and standing in for the American people. in this are people like Verizon and Comcast and uh, Charter and Spectrum slash Time Warner. and AT&T that are just that the, they, they, they are us apparently. And they're, they're getting beaten down by these terrible rules, uh, that, that stop everything. And John Oliver did this ages ago, back when the FCC was talking about passing, uh, uh whether or not they wanted to, wanted to pass these, these rules and the FCC's website. And, and as a result of what John Oliver put out there, initially got hit really hard by people in support of these rules because Oliver really kind of shined some light on this issue that nobody really knew about. And so now that we've got Ajit Patel, who is Ajit Patel, however it's pronounced, I apologize. I'm not deliberately butchering that name, but uh, the guy is, is, is one of the biggest chodes on the planet. Uh, uh, is is now talking about going at, at quote and and uh, using a weed whacker uh, to go uh, over these laws to ease up life on the poor um, burdened American people who uh, this is what that's a, supposedly that's why the internet is 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 quote bad all because of these net neutrality rules when in fact it's just making it harder for Verizon and uh, companies like Charter and Comcast to to milk more money out of out of people passing these quote fast lanes uh said people so in response knowing that oliver's thing was coming the there were all these lobbyist groups that that tried to get on twitter and 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 quote drop truth bombs on john oliver this is why nobody thinks conservatives are funny dude um that's why we're not funny. Yeah, that's, that's why. why, we're why. Not funny. That's, yeah, that's, the, that's that's the that's the whole thing. It has uh, nothing to right. It has nothing to do with it up there. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not um, opposed to net neutrality. I mean, there is some room for argument in the sense that you know part of the reason why we don't have 
better infrastructure is because these companies don't see the profit in building the infrastructure uh, as long as everyone is just allowed to use it for without them being able to get any money. Um, so, I mean, there is room for that argument. Uh, now, I mean, my response to that is that the government needs to take charge and needs to, you know, the same way we ensured that a sufficient highway system was built, we need to make sure that a sufficient um, internet infrastructure is built. Um, well, and Oliver had quotes from Verizon effectively saying that Obama's laws uh, on net neutrality were not the FCC's uh, Obama era laws from the FCC would have no effect on their infrastructure spending. Oh, really? Yeah. The guy was on record as saying that that was the case. But then here comes Patel, who worked for Verizon at the time, saying that it would have a major impact on infrastructure, saying that they'll have that they are having a major impact on infrastructure spending when his own previous company said, no, they won't. Well, that is interesting. So, I'm I, honestly, I'm going to believe the guys in the company that say this has no impact on it. Yeah, yeah. In in the end, for me as well, I, I'm while I can, I mean, that sort of shoots my understanding of everything. If you know that it really is what you know the Verizon guys were saying that you know because that to me that's the only reason why you wouldn't uh want net neutrality is that it might encourage companies to build more infrastructure. So, I mean, if that's not the case, then I'm not really seeing a point in, in getting rid of this. And we certainly can't have be getting rid of net neutrality without doing some amount of antitrust work. You know, uh, the, the, the lack of competition and monopoly monopolies is the, is the big thing that's killing us. Uh, and I don't, I don't hear us fighting this. I don't, I don't, hear us talking about the need to break up AT&T or uh, I don't hear the need to, I, I don't hear these things being talked about. So, um, and until the, until that's being included in the conversations about net neutrality, then no, I don't, I don't think we need to get rid of this. And it's, it's, it's not Patel. It's pie. Ajit pie. P A I. My bad. I, I apologize. You're still a giant goober, but your last name is not Patel. It's pie. Um, <clears throat> I, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's the thing is that you know it's it. This is more of Republicans don't want rules because the rules affect corporations, but they try to sell it as though these rules really hurt us. When really, what they're hurting is the ability of corporations to manipulate us. All right, I'm not I'm not willing to go along with everything you just said there. But you I, should come on. Right, it's okay. Come on, you can go to the dark side. Let's let's bash go. corporations right. and pretend yeah. like that solves all our problems. It's right. fun. Come yeah. on, it's okay. Before you know it, you'll be talking about crumbling infrastructure and paying for college. Well, we do have crumbling infrastructure. <laughs> I do talk about crumbling <laughs> infrastructure. I do talk about this. <laughs> That's a Bernieism. Bernie liked to say crumbling infrastructure. Oh. It was meant to be funny, and it yeah. fell flat on its ass. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know how much more outrage I have for the evening. How about you? I, I for me, yeah. The, the talking about politics is becoming enormously frustrating because I, I, I enjoy debating policy and debating, you know, how this might this idea might work better than that idea and uh, i'm spending half our shows talking about trump's twitters and yeah it's, it's really hard en- to enormously, do enormously right enormously frustrating uh i i don't this is pretty much the only time i even talk about politics at this point because this just seems so fruitless um, but hopefully you know i like what obama's doing with his you know encouraging new leaders and young leaders and this sorts of stuff. So that, that, that's great and that's good. And so hopefully we'll start to see, see a new generation rising up uh, to, to answer the, the struggles and needs of today. Fingers crossed. Dear God, I hope so. Yeah. I, I, I am in 100% agreement. You know, I finding, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that we have, and just so all of our listeners are aware, there probably will be at least a, a week and possibly two break in there because we're, we're, we're going on vacation. I, I'm not 
this is difficult to fill an hour that's intended to be reasonable discussions on, you know, for the most part, policy things. Because it's just, I, I don't even see where the policy's coming from these days. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard to pinpoint, you know? It is. Maybe, and maybe I need to make a stronger effort. I'll, yeah, maybe we should try to double down on policy somehow and try to do our best to ignore some of the stuff's out there. Because, I mean, I mean, the economist succeeds. They they manage to give thoughtful discussion to stuff. So I, I can't on that note, I can't I can't read Trump talking anywhere hardly anymore without just I, I, I think I, I I think I lose an IQ point every time I read a paragraph yeah. in an interview. But did you but did you read the interview in The Economist? No, but I'm eager to. I'm looking yeah. forward to, to reading the Trumponomics. Uh, I mean, obviously, they are not fans. Uh, oh, yeah. That pretty clear. I'm surprised he gave them an interview. I was pretty shocked at that, honestly. Um, well, I think maybe he was hoping they would make him look like a big boy by the time it was done. He yeah, could, he obviously he had not been reading their magazine. <laughs> <laughs> this one's about money, right? Yeah, money, right? Oh, this is my thing. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, the art of the deal, the economist style. Man. All right. Well, uh, have you have you, have you you anything else? It's just apologies for being depressing, listeners. We'll, <laughs> we'll try and get enthusiastic for the next one. We'll see. Uh, perhaps. Maybe find something that we can have thoughtful disagreement on. We'll, we'll do our best. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what we can do. But for the time being, I am going to take us out with something cool because I dropped the ball on that last week. So I'm not going to drop it on this week. My something cool is that, you know, Tennessee is about to become the first state in the nation to make community college free for all adults. Uh, Effectively expanding a program that they launched in 2014 uh, called the Tennessee Promise Program. Uh, Governor Bill Haslam is going to sign a bill into law. Uh, that he proposed during his uh, State of the State address earlier this year. Uh, trying to increase the number of residents with a college education to 55% by 2025. Uh, as of last, last year, less than 39% of residents in Tennessee had gone to college. And he's trying to get people more involved by making community college free. Now, the reason that this is interesting, it's all going to be paid by the uh, state lottery program, which is great. And the reason this is interesting is that Bill Haslam is a Republican uh, with a Republican uh, state legislature behind him. Well, that's great news. It is. It, 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 it's fascinating. And, and it's a and it's a it's a great program. It's going to be really good for Tennessee, I think. And it's nice to see Republicans thinking outside the box. Uh, yeah, and well, and I think, and I think that there is, you know, you talk about why am I saying Republican? Well, because I think that there is a lot of hope on on the state level, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of hope there for getting involved and talking with people and getting to know them and and making change at that level. Um, and I, I, I'm gonna, I really want to start focusing more there. Yeah. Perhaps so. I, you know what? I, I talk a lot of shit about state governments and, and their, their uselessness, but, uh, that was really, uh, you know, that's actually two really good things I've seen out of states that, uh, that have been very important to me, Kentucky and Tennessee, both, uh, places where I've spent extensive amounts of time living and, you know, uh, Bevan's aluminum plant thing that we talked about last time. And, and now this out of Tennessee, I think is, uh, uh, I think it's fantastic. So, Yeah really 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 happy for him so oh you know i'm gonna add something because i you know i said i didn't want to do round of applause but you know i do have a round of applause i have a round of applause for andy Barr and more specifically his staff members so i've i've talked a lot about the the changes in the fha rules for getting a mortgage and how they count your debt and the way that they count your student loan debt now um is, is pretty crippling um, they require that for your when they're considering where not to give your mortgage um, for your debt to income ratio, they require that you count your student loan debt 
they count your monthly payment as 1% of your overall pay of your total amount without any regard to what you're actually paying, right? Whether or not you're in school and therefore it's being deferred or because you're on income based repayments. And so you're not paying anywhere near 1%. Um, and this makes it extraordinarily hard for a lot of people to get a mortgage, um, buy a home. Um, and I contacted the, my Andy Barr, Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell, right? All three of them about this. Uh, Rand Paul has never responded. Mitch McConnell came back with a letter talking about student loan interest rates and which had nothing to do with what I was talking about. Uh, so thanks for not really even reading what I wrote to you. But Andy Barr uh, contacted me by phone, uh, one of his staffers, obviously, talked to me about my concern and then I gave him the name of a mortgage officer who was very intelligent, who I thought could maybe help. And I recently received an email that they had contacted him and to talk to him and to learn more about this. Um, so I'm just enormously impressed by seeing the system actually work and I'm very much encouraged to take a more proactive role in trying to establish relationships with my representatives for people outside of Kentucky. Tell them who is, who, who is Andy Barr? He's, he's the he's the one of the, the house rep for Lexington, the Lexington area, basically. There you go. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very cool. I would, I would bet you anything that, that McConnell's letter was just a canned letter that they, though, that one mentioned student loans. Here's our student loan letter. Here's our student loan letter. Here you go. Well, that's fantastic. I'm. I, that's that's actually a very cool story. I, yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, that's 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 good stuff. Yeah, I've I've heard that I've heard that Rand Paul is terrible about responding to really just about anything to uh, to a lot of people locally. Uh, I haven't really. I guess I really haven't heard of that many stories of people trying to contact McConnell. Um, but you know, getting that kind of response from your representative that's very that's very impressive. So it's, right. it's awesome. Cool. Well. All right, that's a, that is a fine note to end to wrap it up on. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you can uh, check us out on Twitter. I'm at Libcon Matt. Tim is at Libcon Tim. Uh, take care of yourselves. We will talk to you soon.